Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Okay, well, today is Mother's Day, in case you didn't notice. Um, this morning, before I was going to leave, I realized that uh, we were almost out of creamer for my wife's coffee. So I went to the store this morning and was cracking up because there were all these sons, including people I knew, that were all in there getting flowers and doing things. And, and I, I was among them because there I am trying to get the, the creamer so that the morning can go smooth. Today is a day to celebrate. Mothers. President Woodrow Wilson said on May 9th, 1914, he said, when Congress declares the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day, he said that this day will be set aside for the public expression of our love and reverence for our mothers, for the mothers of our country, he said. And thinking about it, what are the roles that a mother plays? That list could go on. I just, in a moment, I put down just a few. Mothers are nurses, Counselors, spiritual advisor, educator, nutritionist, accountant, transportation center, maid, pacemaker, or peacemaker, excuse me. (laughs) That too, in ways, peacemaker, entertainer, teacher, chef, logistics coordinator, academic counselor, sports fan club president, uh, so many things. And we want to recognize all of that. Today, what I want to talk about is the influence of a mother. Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who had a godly mother. He went on to say, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Now, this was Abraham Lincoln. And many of you have probably heard uh, the list of failures that he experienced before becoming president. He didn't live a charmed life, but accomplished so much. And his own words are, this is due to my mother. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy is, he's, he is a superstar of the New Testament church. Timothy was the pastor in Ephesus of a church that was likely tens of thousands. And Paul is speaking to him, and he talks about this spirit of faith, this sincere faith. And Paul says, it didn't start with you. Paul says, that faith was first in your grandmother, then in your mother, and now it's in you. Now, we don't want to to mess up our theology. We're not saying that 
that because your grandmother is a Christian, you're automatically a Christian. Someone said it this way, God doesn't have grandkids. We, each and every one of us, go directly to him and become children of God. Our relationship with God as far as our um, salvation is concerned is direct. It's not through our parents. However, this scripture shows us a balance and says there is a influence. There is a family faith. We as parents, and this scripture shows us especially as mothers, you have an influence on your children's faith. You have an influence on your children's faith. Acts 16.1, speaking of Timothy again. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Now, this is interesting because when you and I say someone is Greek, we're talking ancestry, right? We, we don't we think, well, if you're, you're Greek or Roman or Jewish or whatever, then, then we think of that as simply a descriptor of their nationality. But notice how this scripture is referenced. And it says that his mother was Jewish and a believer, but, as in there's a contrast here. It is almost a certainty that Timothy's father at least at that time, was not a believer. Timothy, the super pastor of the New Testament, was raised by a believing mother and a, most likely an unbelieving father. Paul said, the faith that is in you that I see, that I saw first in your grandmother, that I then saw in your, your mother, and now I see in you. He, that influence came from his mother. We as parents, and I'm, I'm speaking, you know, it, it, all the fathers in the room, glean some because there's a truth regarding parents that's there. But... As we look through scripture, I personally see mothers highlighted as being extra influential. In the example, mothers are so influential in their children. We are called as parents. Mothers, you are given a special influence in your children's life. The faith that you have can, we'll even say should, be passed on to your children. Some of you may be sitting here and saying, but I have prodigal children. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to speak to those of you who are in that place. Proverbs 22, 6 says, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Somebody pointed out that it says when he is old, it doesn't say never. 
I thought that was interesting. You have planted seeds. Continue to pray over those seeds, to declare over those seeds, to speak over those seeds. You have an influence. You have a level of authority within your own family that no one else has. Don't lose heart. Continue to speak over the seeds that were planted in their youth. The Bible says to to pray for laborers. I encourage you, If you have prodigal children, don't simply pray for them, but pray for the laborers that God would put in their path. Pray for the reminders that the Holy Spirit will place in them that will trigger those seeds that were planted in them when they were youth. You, your your influence does not end the day they leave the home. Those seeds are are, are there. Your prayers matter. They make a difference. Can we take just a moment and pray for the prodigals in the room? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for every parent, every mother that is in this room. Lord, we pray for the prodigals that are on their hearts. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would stir in their hearts the seeds that were planted in their youth. Lord, we pray for the laborers that would be sent. We ask that friendships would be made. We ask that co-workers would be planted. We ask that, that other students would be uh, inspired to speak into their lives, to speak into them, reminding them of your love for them. The love that was exemplified by their mothers. Lord, we ask that, that we actually, we declare that the weapons formed against them will not prosper. We rebuke the strategies of the enemy coming against them to distract them, to dissuade them, We thank you that your word planted in their hearts will not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 says, Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. God's desire, one of the things that he seeks is godly offspring. We as parents are the vessel through which godly offspring are brought up. I don't mean to dismiss fathers with this comment, but but mothers You have a special role there. Like with Timothy, he was influenced by the faith of his mother and the faith of his grandmother. Your faith 
is influential. It is powerful on your children. The famous saying says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I want to to bring up a story. 1 Kings 3 talks about King Solomon. How many of you remember King Solomon? Now, as, as is true with so many biblical characters, they have some amazing attributes. King Solomon ruled over Israel at, at the peak of its reign. He followed his, his father, David. King Solomon, one of few kings who died of old age. King Solomon accomplished so much. He was wise. He grew the kingdom. But we also remember he did a few dumb things. And as as is true with so many biblical characters, the Bible doesn't just show us what they did right. It shows us both sides. But today, I want to focus on Solomon remembering this. How many of you guys read Proverbs regularly? Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, he also wrote it. Song of Solomon, he also wrote it. A few of the Psalms, he also wrote it. We're talking about a very accomplished king of Israel, one of the greatest. 1 Kings 3.16 says this. This is one of the stories says, one day, two women came to King Solomon. And one of them said, your majesty, this woman and I live in the same house. Not long ago, my baby was born at home. And three days later, her baby son was born. Nobody else was there with us. One night, we were all asleep. She rolled over on her baby, and he died. Then while I was still asleep, she got up, took her son out of my, or my son out of my bed. She put him in her bed, and she put her dead baby next to me. In the morning when I got up to feed my son, I saw that he was dead. But when I looked at him in the light, I knew he wasn't my son. No, shouted the other woman. He was your son. My baby is alive. The dead baby is yours, the first woman yelled. Mine is alive. They argued back and forth in front of Solomon until he finally said, both of you say the baby, this live baby is yours. Someone bring me a sword. A sword was brought and Solomon ordered, cut the baby in half. That way each of you can have a part of him. Oh, please don't kill my son, said the baby's mother, screamed. Your majesty, I love him very much, but give him to her, just don't kill him. The other woman shouted, go ahead, cut him in half and neither of us will have a baby. Solomon said, don't kill the baby. Then he pointed to the first woman. She is the real mother. Give the baby to her. Everyone in Israel was amazed when they heard how Solomon had made his decision. They realized that God had given him wisdom to judge fairly. Solomon had two apparent mothers come to him. They had this whole dilemma and he solved it by appealing to one of the most powerful and universal forces in the world, a mother's love. He knew that whichever mother 
was the true mother would have a love that would sacrifice her own wants and desires for that baby. And, and, and he was praised for recognizing what everyone understands, this universal love, that heart of a mother. How did he know? Because he grew up with a mom. And again, his mom is one of the other biblical characters in the Bible who we see both good and bad. Did anybody remember who Solomon's mother was? Bathsheba. Bathsheba famously had an affair. David killed her husband. Now, I'm going to put most of the blame on David because in that time, I don't know how much of an opportunity she had to decline. But she gave birth to Solomon as a result of their affair. And I want to read you a lesser-known story about Bathsheba. So fast forward. Solomon has grown. David has many children by more than one wife. Remember, he, he had as a wife um, the Saul's daughter. He had other wives, and Bathsheba was one of them. His oldest child was not Solomon, but in his youth, he had promised Bathsheba that Solomon would be king. Fast forward, David is getting old. The Bible tells an entire story about how he is so old and so weak that, that he's, he's bedridden. And his, his aides find um, a young lady to serve him. He's, he, he is, the, the Bible is pretty graphic. It's like, no more sex. He's just completely, he's on the edge. And then his older son is Adonijah. Now listen to what it says here. So we have this picture. David is on his, nearly on his deathbed. And one of his sons proclaims himself king. Watch. Verses 5 through 6 of 1 Kings 1. It says, Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never rebuked him by saying, why do, you, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Now, I want to point out, I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to tell the story, but I wanted to read that section of the verse. It's going along describing him, and it says, by the way, his dad never told him how to behave. All of David's kids had the same father. What made them different? Mothers. Mother. Solomon had a different mother than Adonijah. The story continues. Adonijah has proclaimed himself king. He is having a party. And all of these people are there. The prophet Nathan comes and has a conversation with Bathsheba where he describes the situation. We know what's happening because Nathan describes it to her and says, hey, look, you, the, 
Adonijah has proclaimed himself king. David is stuck in bed, doesn't even know what's going on. He could die any moment. And as far as the kingdom is concerned, Adonijah is the only one out there telling everybody he's king. He could be king. And if he's king, guess what? Bathsheba and Solomon are in trouble. Bathsheba goes to King David. She goes in and reminds him about his promise. David declares, yes, I will keep my promise. Your son will be king. Now, here's the thing. We think, great, well, she just helped him out. No, she risked her life. Because at that moment, the acting king would have killed her for what she was doing. But she went in. She got re-attained the affirmation that, yes, my promise that I made before still stands. He told her what to do. They went out. They declared Solomon king, got all of this stuff. The Bible describes the whole situation, how because of her actions, Solomon goes out. He gets named as king, and, and Adonijah loses his position. The Bible actually says that they're at the party and they're all partying and they're calling him king and, and all of this stuff. And then they hear a bunch of ruckus outside and it's everyone else recognizing Solomon's reign. Because of what Bathsheba did. She risked her life to put Solomon on the throne. And not just on the throne, but potentially save his life. Because in the scripture, she describes what would happen. Let's go to 1 Kings 15. I'm sorry, 1.15. It says, So Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room, where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him. Bathsheba bowed down, prostrated before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. She said to him, My lord, you swore... To your servant, by the Lord your God, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me. He will sit on the throne, but now Adonijah has become king, and you, my Lord, the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed a great number of cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and has invited all the king's son, Abathar, the priest, and Joab, the commander of the army. But he has not invited Solomon, your servant, my Lord, the king, the eyes of all Israel on you, to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord, the king, is laid to rest with his ancestors, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. Catch that part there in the end. She says, if, if you don't step in, we will now be treated as criminals. She risked being a criminal because she's there acting against the person who was acting as king. She risked her life. Now, I want to point out, Adonijah, what was his problem? The scripture tells us what his problem was. He wasn't parented right. What did the scripture say? He had no one. His father never rebuked him by saying, why do you behave as you do? 
The contrast being Solomon had that. Solomon had a parent who was telling him, hey, this is right and that is wrong. There there is a school of thought that says, don't tell your kids no. Hebrews 12, 11 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. You know what I'm going to say. Put that one on a kitchen towel, right? (laughs) Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I want to recognize the influence of mothers today. King Solomon, who wrote multiple books of the Bible, the Bible shows us what set him apart from his siblings was a mother who parented him better than the others. She showed him right from wrong. She told him when his behavior was out of line and encouraged him to make right choices. When I read those scriptures in Proverbs, that was Solomon talking about good parenting, raising up, correction, growth. As I look over the audience, I see we have mothers, we have grandmothers, we have mothers, we have future mothers, and, and we have people at so many different stages. But your influence, it's there now. If you're not a mother yet, the faith that you are building in yourself is the faith that you will be passing on to your kids. As you grow closer to the Lord, you are being a good mother. Even to the children you don't have yet, to the grandchildren you don't have yet. God has called you to cultivate faith and then live that as an example for your kids. Those of you who have young children who are still being formed, God calls you to live that example and don't be ashamed to say, hey, this is right and that is wrong. King Solomon ruled 
because his mother told him, this is how you should live. And Adonijah was a spoiled brat, apparently. He was the king's child. And the Bible says of David, he didn't do what he should have done. He didn't say, hey, cut that out. That's not right. You need to live differently than that. Solomon apparently had that. They both had the same dad. But Solomon had a more devoted mother. It is, as I look at at Bathsheba and and her risk, on one hand, we look at that and, and we all recognize that unselfish, giving nature of mothers, and we're not surprised. Why? Because we know that we've seen that. Just like Solomon counted on that to determine whose mother or whose child that baby was. We look at it. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for their friends. Bathsheba laid down her life potentially for her child. I, I am constantly amazed at my own wife who I couldn't count the number of times where she would share, she'll share with me, you know what, honey, I am just, I am so exhausted at this moment. I'm just tired. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna, you know, do this. I'll be, All right, okay, honey, whatever you want. You take and, you know, go to bed early. In walks one of the kids. I'm hungry. Five minutes later, she is making a fourth meal for the kid. Why? Because, yeah, she wanted, but they, she gives and she gives and she gives. The Bible says no greater love has anyone than they lay down their life. I have watched her lay down her life for her kids, our kids, <laughs> so many times. So many times. The Bible shows us that God's character is seen in a mother's heart. There's a Jewish proverb that says, God could not be everywhere, so he created mothers. Not exactly theologically sound, but we get the point. That mothers are a reflection of God's character. Romans 8.32 said, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God did not withhold his most precious thing for us. That same selflessness is nowhere more consistently visible than in a mother's heart. How many of you at this moment can think of a selfless act that your mother did? Oh, like God is visible. His character is visible in that how, here's the thing, 
how do you say thank you for everything? Do you guys remember the video we just watched? One of the kids says, my mom does everything for me. And, you know, you're like, oh, he didn't want to make, no. It wasn't that he didn't want to make a list. It's that we don't have infinity to sit here and wait for the list. He, I don't think he was exaggerating. How, how do you say thank you for everything? Do flowers suffice? <laughs> Cards? Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. We are to honor mothers. What does it mean to honor someone? It means to regard with great respect. To treat with great respect. To keep in mind their value when interacting with them. Proverbs 23, 22 through 25. Remember who's writing this? This is King Solomon writing. And he says, listen to your father who gave your life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell Sell it by wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will be greatly rejoice. He who fathers a son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Why does he say, do not despise your mother when she is old? How many of you ever heard this saying, out of sight, out of mind? When, when we're... I mean, I, like I look, I look at all that my wife does for our kids. And I look at the way that they respond sometimes and just like, come on, be nice, recognize what's happening. And it's happening right then. But the temptation is, as time passes, to forget. It's out of sight and out of mind. Why would people be tempted to despise their mother when, when she is old? Well, because so much of what she did for them is now back there somewhere. You know, now I'm an adult. Now I'm off living my life. Now I don't need you to do my laundry. I don't need you to make dinners. I don't need you to change my diapers. I don't need any of all of the things that you did for me for so long. It's easy to forget and to, as this verse says, despise or even just dismiss, to not value. Why? Because the need that you had that she fulfilled is now in the past. Some of us here today may not have our, our mothers with us anymore. Many of us still do. For those who are not children anymore, I want to encourage you, honor your mother. 
not just the second Sunday of every May. (laughs) But remember what she has done for you. Let her rejoice that she has you. Let her rejoice. The Bible says, do not despise your mother when she is old. Listen, somebody is hearing this and they're thinking, but you don't know my mom. I have a laundry list of ways that she has failed me. My therapist has told me. Granted, I don't know your mom. I don't know the many mistakes that she made. Honor is not about acknowledging perfection. Honor is not about acknowledging perfection. Honor is about being grateful for what there was. We can honor the position. The Bible says, honor your father and mother for this And then it says this commandment has a promise that you will live long and be blessed. It's like, it doesn't, it's not conditional. When we honor our parents, even though they have flaws, we're not honoring. Yes, we we celebrate what they did right, but they don't have to be perfect to be honored. I want to encourage you, if there is a rift between you and your mother, don't let go of that relationship. God blesses those who honor their parents. In that case, forgiving your mother. That doesn't mean saying that what they did was okay. What it means is I'm not, I'm not holding over you the debt that you're wrong incurred. It means, you know what? I'm going to pray for blessing on you. I'm going to seek as much relationship as I can or as that is healthy, depending on the situation. But I'm not going to punish you for your mistakes in the past. God will bless. Bless that. It says, do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 1, 8, 9 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. I just want to thank, on behalf of every child here, I want to thank every mother here for your unrelenting, stubborn love, for the giving that you have, and I speak to you, honey, above all, because I have seen that selflessness a thousand times. 
We thank you. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. And we recognize that the seeds you have planted in us and and, and the kids are, are growing even in the prodigal children. Those seeds are there. And when the water, when the, the conditions are right, they will grow. We thank you for it. Dear Heavenly Father, I just lift up every mother who is here today. I just ask your blessing. I speak your blessing over each and every one of them. Lord, may they know the value of what they have given their children. May Even when and if their children do not recognize it, Lord, I ask that you would show them what a valuable gift they have given to each and one, every one of their kids with their unconditional love. Lord, we pray for every relationship, mother to child in this room, Lord, we speak a blessing over it. We ask that you would give us wisdom in navigating whatever complexities there may be there, Lord. I ask that you would show us how to honor and, and break down barriers that may have come up over the years, Lord. We speak uh, health to those relationships. We speak forgiveness over hearts. We ask that, that there would be barriers that may have lasted for years that would be broken this week in those lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much.